today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Before we get to uh, our guest on, uh, and that's uh, Don Danko from uh, Ward Seven, Hamilton uh, Board Trustee, uh, School Board Trustee, and uh, Chair as well of the School Board, Hamilton Wentworth. I want to bring more up on schools, and here's the problem: um, you know, the idea of sending kids back was the right thing to do in September, and I documented this earlier. If it's not safe for university to be in session, even one, two hours a day. You remember what that was like? You'd get your schedule when you went to college, university. Okay, I've got 14 class hours. Um, Kids who are 5 to 13 have 35 class hours, and I'm counting recess, and I'm going to count snow days like like where i'm i mean snow days where you're going to school but they don't let you outside because it's too cold no honestly this year let them outside you're teaching classes with windows open and teachers doing everything they can especially in older more dilapidated schools and i don't blame the boards for that i'm not even sure i blame the ontario government for that you're you're just going to have some schools that don't have the same upkeep as others but if they're telling you it's not safe for high school age kids for the next three weeks who don't mix for recess, who don't eat lunch at school, why is it safe for elementary schools beginning next Monday? And here was the talking points for the conservatives. Like, again, I consider it more a win. If you're saying, pick it, you know, what? don't sit on the fence. Was it a win? Was it a loss? Put it in sports terms. For schools to open in the first semester, it was a win. I'm sorry, but it was, okay? And I know teachers that say it was. They wanted to be there. They don't want to teach virtually. They've got they've got chaos in their own house. You want them to teach at home when they've got two, three, four kids at home? No, no, no. Much better to have that commute. Uh, yeah, I commute in to do the radio show, so I need that drive. They need that drive. It clears your head. It's like going for a jog, in essence. But if if Stephen Lecce just said, and if he if he was saying right now, hey, listen, this is all about risk mitigation. We know there's benefits, but we also know there's risks. We're going to do everything we can to keep your kids safe. We're confident. We've got a plan that should work. Teachers, students, admin, support staff, let's work together, have each other's back. There's going to be COVID cases in schools. Now, maybe he doesn't have to come right out and say that, but you know it and I know it. But we're confident we can keep it to an absolute minimum. You, you, have, to, you have to be honest with people. Again, we talked about the the lack of public trust now between elected officials and the general public as a whole that you have to you have to be perceived as having the public's back and we're post pandemic every party every politician has a lot of work to do and it's not all their faults okay you talk about the bad apples principle that's the reason why for every rod phillips there were nine mps mpps that stayed at home and did everything they were supposed to do and followed all the right rules and didn't even drive an hour to see relatives, didn't even drive 10 minutes to see moms and dads and grandparents and whatnot at Christmas. So, look, COVID, you can't play this card. COVID can't be acquired in schools. There's a ring around it. If kids get it, they're getting it in the community. Where are kids going? Where are they going except school and home? Of course, some are bringing it from a home, but then they're transmitting it at school. This is a really simple math equation. Safest place for kids to be is in school. No, it isn't. Not even close. Not even close. So understand, like, if, if it's all about risk mitigation, for some of us in the fall, even knowing less about the virus, that risk was worth taking. I'm not going to be a hypocrite about this. My kid's going back to elementary school on Monday because, again, 
there's a lot of boxes that we're fortunate enough that we don't check. No one in our house smokes. No one's obese. No one's immunocompromised. No one's got respiratory problems. I don't live in a in a hot spot. I don't live in a condo. Okay, no one's going to tell you that it's easier um, for a, for a, a couple that live in downtown Toronto or downtown Hamilton, and they got four kids in a in a in a tight condo, no outdoor space, no patio, no backyard, no nothing. Okay, or let alone those that live with older parents. Those are big factors as well. We know that. Uh, I want to bring in our guests from the Hamilton Wentworth District School Board uh, of Education, Ward Seven Trustee and Chair of the board, Don Danko. Don, it's great to have you on. Thanks very much for making the time with me today. Oh, good morning, Greg, and Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. Happy Happy New Year to you, too. Yeah, there's, there's trepidation among parents. I, I, I lay some of that out, and um, I, I want to know what your, what your read on it is. What are you hearing from most parents who are uh, obviously a virtual day today for elementary school kids, but... They um, they've they've got well placed concerns and questions about what could happen next Monday with elementary school specifically. And I think you captured a number of the key concerns that we hear coming forward, both from families and from, of course, our staff. Um, is that if it is not considered safe for secondary students who are in an adaptive model, who are in half, um, you know, fifteen class size cohorts, uh, if it's not safe for them to return until January 25th, why would it be safe for elementary students to return next Monday? And I, I had to acknowledge, though, that some families are saying, we don't know what else we can do. Uh, we need to work. Mm-hmm. We cannot be at home with our kids, and we need them to be in school. So there is that uh, competing priorities and competing uh, concerns that parents have they want their children they want their families to be safe we want our staff to be safe but at the same time um, school plays a really important role in our community in in allowing families to go out and to to generate an income to support um, their family needs yeah massive again i said it in the fall given where our cases where i laid it out earlier in the show how ontario's cases dawn were 190 across the province the day before we went back after labor day but when they're in the three thousands and you're having 30 people in the province die per day, which will also grow if cases grow, um, you know, it's it's a big, big problem. And and I'd lay that out there and saying, I, I know that I would I would have a different perspective. My kids are 14 and 12 in grade nine and grade seven. I would have a totally different perspective if my kids were six and four or seven and five. I, rem- I remember what that was like, not even be able to go to the grocery store without having to take them and leave them in the car for five or six minutes and, and hope that nobody would call the cops on me. You know, that kind of scenario. Absolutely. And I think an important point that you mentioned is that the number of cases in our community are significant compared to what they were when we returned to school in September. And it's interesting that the ministry has reported those numbers and they've been transparent about the number of schools and number of cases across the province. But it is concerning when they report that only 976 schools have had cases out of over, you know, almost 5,000 schools in the province. But when you look at averages, that's a bit misleading. So in our case at mm-hmm. HWDSB, we've had just over 200 student and staff cases since we had our first case, which was on September 27th. But 116 of those cases, more than half, were in December alone. So we know that when there are more cases in the community, there are more introductions 
introductions of COVID into schools. And I think you mentioned that we don't always know when they're spread in school because oftentimes kids are asymptomatic. So it doesn't, it's not always apparent. Um, but I think we've been doing everything we can to make sure that we have our protocols in place, everyone's using PPE um, to, to minimize that, that risk of spread in schools. Um, at the end of the day, the more cases that come in, the, the greater the risk is. Don Danko is our guest, of course, from uh, Ward 7 uh, and chair as well of the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board on 900 CHML. Greg Brady in for Bill Kelly today. What are what are some of the most common refrains you hear from uh, teachers about what they went through in the four months? Some of them, especially high school. I know high school uh, teachers were, were getting home later. They were starting a bit later because of the cohort scenario, but working longer hours. That made their child care of their parents uh, a little a little more cumbersome in the late afternoon. What were some of the common refrains of, um, of, of just how fatigued they got? And they're trying to keep themselves safe and, and still and still manage uh, kids' expectations and parents' expectations. Um. A lot of what we heard from from our staff, our educators, our teachers, is that they came into September with a lot of trepidation, a lot of uncertainty, anxiety. What is this going to mean for me and my family? Am I going to contract COVID? Am I going to bring it home? And you mentioned different families are in different circumstances where you may be at higher risk or lower risk. Um, and I know that we made a number of accommodations for some some staff were not able to feel safe being in a school because of perhaps a family member at home or a health condition. And where possible, we had to look at accommodating them in a remote school. Um, but they, they did weather the storm, I think I could say. I, 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 our educators stepped up, our staff have really pulled together to make this fall the best that it could be given all of the challenges that we were facing, given all of that uncertainty. Um, and we've seen them pivot. We've seen them put in extra hours, and we really do appreciate that. Um, it's not always evident um, to our families and to our students that the extra time uh, our educators are putting in. But I know I was getting uh, emails over the holidays uh, from educators for my kids. My daughter got feedback on one of her assignments. So we know that they're um, certainly doing their best to make this work. Um, now we've got that transition into remote. And I do have to say uh, a huge thank you. This has been an incredible team effort to prepare for the shift to remote over the past two weeks when, as you know, uh, the school system is typically on a holiday break. And so I, I have to thank staff who worked over the holiday. They prepared for the return to remote. They prepared devices for families who need it. Um, we've seen emails coming last late last night, early this morning from educators who obviously been preparing for helping families understand what this week is going to look like for elementary and helping secondary students understand what today and this uh, remote learning experience is going to look like for them. So a big thank you to all of the team for coming together again to do the best that we can in a really uncertain and stressful time. And we do know that this has impacted everyone's mental health, everyone's well-being. And uh, so we always appreciate how people have stepped up to, to do what they can in mm -hmm. a really difficult time. Don Danko is our guest. It must be your hope that we move vaccinations along. Um, I, I know some doctors uh, have advocated um, for you know, teachers and, and educators to move ahead of the line. If we're going to keep schools open, and, and if I'd say at the elementary level and the secondary level, and I'd advocate it too, that they move a little bit faster than quote unquote the rest of us, because if teachers are vaccinated, um, there's a lot, given that they're, you know, they've got 20, 25 bodies, some are seeing 30 bodies a day if they're teaching two 15 person cohorts in high school. 
even with masks and even with distancing, um, better safe than sorry. W- would you be hopeful? Are there teachers hopeful that that can happen within the, maybe not within the next couple of weeks, but certainly by the spring? I think as we've looked at the rollout of vaccines versus the availability of vaccines, um, it's been a I'm going to say disappointingly slow. Um, And so if there are vaccines available and if we say that we prioritize our our school systems as as priorities because of the important supports they provide to our community, um, they allow people to go to work, they allow students um, to be supported in their learning achievement, their mental health and well-being. If that is true, then there may be an opportunity for our educators and even our students to get vaccinated. I don't want to suggest that they should be ahead of healthcare providers, uh, we know we have a number of important mm-hmm. essential care, um, essential workers, uh, long-term care, care facilities, staff, and residents. Of course, need to be prioritized. But it it sounds like, if I've been following the media accurately, that we do have a significant number of doses available, and we seem to uh, not be able to distribute them as quickly as we're receiving them. We have students and staff in schools. We have public health nurses in schools. Perhaps there's an opportunity there to to um, do something. That that could really make a difference. I would put teachers ahead of radio hosts. I'm just telling you that right now. Not all radio, most radio hosts. I would vaccinate teachers before. I can do what I do uh, without, uh, you know, without the vaccination. Um, but I would put teachers. I'm a, from a family of teachers, so I can say that. My mom and dad would appreciate that. Yes, and of course, we don't want to forget our other educators as well, because as you mentioned, as your children are older, there's a little more flexibility in our ability to uh, support them in remote learning at home. But when you've got your youngest students in our, our kindergarten and grade one classes, uh, we've got a number of educators that would also need to be included there to, to help support them to be at school. Yeah, 100 percent. Uh, it's an important day. It's an important next week or so. Uh, thanks for your advocacy and, and sharing your thoughts uh, with our audience today. Don, I know you're an important voice in the community uh, in terms of education, uh, and I appreciate the time this morning. Thank you so much, Greg. You got it. Don Danko, trustee uh, from Ward 7 and chair of the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.